When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Sam Sage, Harry Eid and me, Ben Hocking. First time in a while where we haven't actually got a preview or a review podcast. It's a non-race week after the triple header we've just had, so a momentary calm in the storm, but it is definitely going to be momentary. Um, I mean, Sam, just to just to kick things off, you've been raving about pizza all day, so we're going to get down to you know down to brass tacks. We're getting really important stuff straight away. Have you had your pizza? I have. It's Pizza Wednesdays, folks, and uh, no, the famous day to have pizza. Uh, yeah. Everyone has it on, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did have my pizza. It was uh, Asda's frozen pizza. Um, it was rather nice. For that, oh, American friends, Walmart. Asda is Walmart. Um, Asda is owned by Walmart. It was, right, listen to this, yeah. It was a deep pan Ooh. with a uh, tomato and cheese base, and it had uh, barbecue chicken pieces with bacon. And it had a cheese-stuffed crust. And it was quite delightful. Yeah, lovely. Took 20 minutes in the oven. Um, I would leave it a five-star review. I know, because I get it every single week. Very good. (laughs) Two pounds it costs. In American land, that's, I don't know, $2.20. (laughs) One dollar! I'm sure they'll appreciate the conversion for something they literally cannot purchase. Thank you, Sam. (laughs) Americans have pizza. Don't be but not that exact pizza. <laughs> should, we, should we move on from pizza? Probably good idea. I mean, I do like pizza. Thank you for joining us this week, Harry. Nice of you to turn up. Oh, well, you're welcome. Oh, I forgot you. Uh, yeah, you are part. Well, of this I mean, group. to be to be fair, I was going to bring this up. Everyone, you are all welcome because I I missed the race and Fernando knows I got a podium, so uh, you're welcome. Last time well, I missed the race, Daniel Ricciardo uh, won. So. Every time you go, something weird on the podium happens. Something Every good, time. Something good happens yeah. when I don't watch. Yeah. I mean, it's that impressive. says a lot about our lives, isn't it, really? Did, uh, Harry isn't around, good things happen. Did uh, Charles Leclerc win? Did I get my world prediction right? We, we oh, did close. address this on the podcast. I heard. Um, and we said you were just out. Yeah. It's close. We're just going to let you slide off, yeah. yeah. Nail bite um, right to the last lap. Before we also go any further, can we just... Give a big shout out to Uruguay. Uh, sure. Is there a reason? We are the, the what the fourth biggest sports podcast in Uruguay, which blows my mind. So, uh, hola, Uruguay. Much love Don't... to you. Stop talking before you insult. They're, they're like the last country on earth we haven't insulted. So stop talking. That's why we're before fourth? You do. I love them. Exactly, would be fine if if we didn't insult all the countries. Isaiah, I like I like that insinuation that we would be number one everywhere if we didn't insult everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ben just insults the world. I go country by country, and Harry doesn't know who he's talking about. It's how we work. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's good to have you back, Harry, after your enforced sabbatical um, due to crimes against predictions. But it's good to have you back. Um, and we will press on because we have got a lot to talk about, even on a race a non-race weekend um we're going to be talking about the move that verstappen made at the weekend at the qatar grand prix specifically on pierre gasly of course red bull versus alpha tauri few question marks about the legitimacy of that overtake should we say um so we've got a lot to discuss on that one carlos Sainz, is he a top five driver our thoughts on that later on and we're playing a brand new game called and this is genuinely what i've decided on the title Alonso or Alonno? Wait till you hear the jingle. Wait till you hear the jingle. Uh, and trust me, we'll actually go through what the segment is later on. Stick around for that. Yeah, because me and Sam don't even know what the, what the segment is. We literally is. don't know. No idea. 
Yep, you are in the dark as much as everyone else is, but you're going to have to wait until we get there because first of all, we're going to be discussing the championship fight because with two rounds to go, it is still an unknown who will be the 2021 Drivers' Champion. Max Verstappen holds a slender lead, eight points in it between him and Lewis Hamilton, but Lewis Hamilton has claimed the last two wins. So, Sam, kick off with you on this one. Which position would you rather be in? Max Verstappen with the lead or Lewis Hamilton, who has got a lot of momentum behind him after the last two races? There's a lot of conversation on the Twitter sphere, in social media land, on kind of, you know, the, the old published articles that are coming out. Um, the social media land is the correct way to paraphrase any form of um, online area, folks, by the way. Um, and a lot of people are saying, you know, uh, uh, it seems to be very much the opposite side of the fan groups are saying that the other team are still in favour, right? Uh, Max Verstappen fans believe that it's all over for them. It, it's done. They'll never win again. And Verstappen has lost it already, despite still being, what, eight points in front. And Lewis Hamilton fans are sitting there saying, well, you know, we've never been to Saudi Arabia. Max Verstappen won last time in Abu Dhabi. And the power units now that the Mercedes has weakened a little bit are, again, very similar. So there's no guarantee that Lewis Hamilton walks away with this. And I think... Both make fair points. You know, Max Verstappen's fans are arguing that momentum is key and having that positive boy about you and wanting to really carry momentum through the last portion of the season I think is, is fantastic points and it's all very fair feedback. Equally, I agree that, you know, Lewis Hamilton fans are sat there saying, well, we've never been to Saudi Arabia. We don't know the form. We've got no idea how good Mercedes could be around there. They might be the second or third best car. Let's say McLaren do a Monza, right? Let's see that works. And they're no longer at the top. That might happen. And again, with Abu Dhabi, Max Verstappen was the last person to win there. So, if you're going to look at this entirely from a where they sit in the uh, the championship and what's left, I think Max Verstappen just, and I do mean just because that's how close the points are, has got the advantage. He's still got the preferred position. Because in any championship fight, why would you not want to be leading at any given time? Lewis Hamilton, if you gave him the flip of a coin now and you said... Lewis, you know, if it lands on heads, you get to choose whether you swap places with Max and you get to be in the League of the Championship or you have to fight back with two races to go. What are you going to choose? I think any driver goes, well, I'll just take the League of the Championship, please. Because that makes a lot of sense. And you've also mitigated a lot of the variables immediately. Max Verstappen can... It would be terrible for him, but he can almost mitigate a DNF, right? If Lewis Hamilton wins the race and Max gets a no-point scored moment, there's only 17 points in it. Okay, that's hard to overturn in one Grand Prix, but it is possible. If it goes the other way around, if Max Verstappen, who has the eight-point lead, and Hamilton has a DNF, championship is over as long as Verstappen finishes in the top two places. And let's remind ourselves, folks, when Verstappen has finished a race on the podium, he's only ever been in the top two places, and he's only finished the race once, not on the podium, which was hungry. And that was due to Bottas bowling, balling him out the way. So, you know... Realistically, I think, (laughs) realistically, out of all the variables you could bring into account, um, the fact that you never know who's going to hit you, what track we're going to because it's a brand new one, what's going to happen in those areas, why would you not want to be leading the championship? I think because of that sole reason, Max Verstappen has got the best position currently. That could definitely change come the end of Saudi Arabia and Jeddah. Let's see, if Mercedes are absolutely dominant, as a lot of people are predicting, and and Mercedes get a 1-2, Hamilton could theoretically lead going into Abu Dhabi, and then it's a whole different story. But for now, Max Verstappen for me, I would say it's about 60% has the better position in the championship. I think it's pretty fascinating that we've almost got a situation where um, it's almost like a race situation playing out itself in terms of a championship battle. What I mean when I say that is we get a lot of race situations where you'll have the driver in the lead, obviously the position they want to be in, that's Max Verstappen at the moment. And then you've got the driver in second place who's maybe on fresher tyres or who has a quicker car, has a better strategy, whatever the reason might be. But they're hunting down the leader. Um, and you you always have these race situations where you ask the question, would you rather be the guy in the lead protecting it or would you rather have arguably the better, you know, the better machine at your disposal or, you know, the better strategy, better tyres? It's almost like that sort of a situation is actually playing out outside of a race and actually on the championship as a whole Max Verstappen is leading the way but Lewis Hamilton has all this momentum after the last two wins and what's comforting for Lewis Hamilton is that he's won both of them in completely different ways you know Brazil he was forced to come back through the field it was a very dramatic victory in comparison to Qatar 
but Qatari dominated. He was the fastest lap away, I think, from uh, Grand Slam. So it's two completely different wins, which should give him quite a bit of confidence. I think this is a very rare situation, actually, where we're heading into the last couple of races in the season. We've got two drivers going for the championship from two different teams, and they are probably both happy with the position they're in, relatively speaking. I think you're right, Sam, that if Lewis Hamilton had the choice between the two, maybe he would go for the other. But I don't think he's disappointed in the position that he's in right now. He's got a perfectly good car that has won the last two Grand Prix, and he's eight points behind Verstappen with two to go. I don't think he's disappointed with where he is. And of course, Verstappen, who hadn't led a championship prior to this season, at least in single-seaters, I'm sure he would take the position he's in as well. So I think it's a very weird one where actually both of them are going to be quite content with where they are. Um, in terms of which position I would rather have, would I have the points or would I take the momentum, really? I agree with you, Sam. I think I would be in Verstappen's shoes right now over Lewis Hamilton's shoes. Just because, again, it's very similar to the reason you gave, Sam, in that I would rather deal in certainties rather than probabilities or possibilities. So what, what I mean when I say that is... Max Verstappen has the championship lead. That is a fact, indisputable at this moment in time. Lewis Hamilton has had a better car for the last two races, and you might think it's either probable or possible that he has the best car for the last two races. But that's an unknown. That's not a certainty. We've seen how it has swung back and forth so many times this year. Who's to say that won't happen again? And Max Verstappen doesn't need it to happen for both races. All Max Verstappen needs is to win one of the two, and he's got the advantage. Like you say, Sam, he is so consistent this year in terms of finishing first or second, he can afford a second place as long as he wins the other one. Hamilton is the one that needs, really, two race wins. I think Saudi Arabia will likely determine what the approach is heading into Abu Dhabi, who wins that, who has the championship lead. But at the moment... Max Verstappen has a certain freedom, or he can afford to have a certain freedom, about his style of racing, where Lewis Hamilton can't. Lewis Hamilton cannot afford a crash if they go side by side. Max Verstappen can. I'm not saying that Max Verstappen would intentionally take Lewis Hamilton out in that scenario where they're fighting for the championship, but if they're side by side, there's no reason for Max Verstappen to cede the ground, because... If Lewis Hamilton wants to keep going and they have contacts similar to Silverstone or similar to Monza, that benefits Verstappen. That doesn't benefit Lewis Hamilton. So not only does he have the points lead, he has all the benefits that are attached to having a points lead just in the way that he can go out and race his own style without needing to worry about the consequences of a crash because he knows that that would hurt Hamilton more than it would hurt himself. What are your views, Harry? Would you rather take Verstappen's position right now or, or Hamilton's? Well, you two are a couple of thieves because you've stolen all my points. <laughs> ah. <laughs> this is what you get for not turning up, mate. Yeah, lucky yeah. in the queue. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you both. I, I'd rather be uh, in Verstappen's shoes at this point. I, I remember when um, Button was, you know, fighting for his, or as maybe it's after he won the title, and people were asking him about, you know, you had such a big lead, were you worried? But uh, that year he was being hunted down, and he said it was like horrendous like to be in those shoes but that being said I think Verstappen could pro probably take the pressure and uh, as he has done all year because he's not led it the whole year um, yeah I would absolutely rather be in, in Verstappen's shoes and I think like said Ben it's he can he, he can be slightly more relaxed than Hamilton uh, you know can be especially going to Saudi Arabia which is such an unknown and quite frankly having played a few laps on the F1 game bloody terrifying um, <laughs> they you know there so easily could be a crash an incident around that track so um you know I, I'd, I'd rather be in Verstappen's shoes with a with a seven eight point leads he got um can't count your fingers eight eight nice <laughs> um I'm <laughs> starting on both hands uh yeah I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather be in that position with an eight point lead um, at least with the knowledge that if I even if I crash out and as you said Sam I, I it's difficult but I'm not going to lose the championship it's going to be difficult going to the last round but I'm still in with a shout rather than if I'm Lewis Hamilton and I crash out it's 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 game over so um, look I, I agree with what you said Ben I think they'll both be kind of happy in the, in the positions that they are but 
it it's been swinging back and forth so much this year that um, who knows what would be after Saudi Arabia. But at this current point, I think I'd rather be Max Verstappen. Looking at, because it's not the only championship that's up for grabs, obviously. The Constructors' Championship is going to the wire just like the Drivers' Championship is. Uh, and that's even that's even more of a slender margin than, than the Drivers' Championship. But looking at Perez and Bottas, neither of them are, of course, in contention for the Drivers' Championship. But Sam, do you think that they still have room to influence the Drivers' Championship? Uh, funny enough, after the Qatar Grand Prix, I tweeted on the late breaking account, and folks will never know which one it is unless we get outed by one of the other two, which regularly happens. Uh, I mean, I Sa- I'm going to have to stop you there, Sam. It's very clear <laughs> when you tweet. It's very clear. I mean, I don't know why. Folks, go through our Twitter and see if you can pinpoint a couple of the times where I've tweeted or where it's the other two. See if you can work it out. A little challenge for you. I'll give you a cookie if you manage it. One of Ben's famous cookies. Um... I, I did tweet after the Qatar Grand Prix that Perez and Bottas could literally be the deciding factors in these Grand Prix. Um, again, as I mentioned in Jeddah, right? If Bottas is absolutely on it, let's say Bottas is leading the Grand Prix by an absolute mile. He has one of those weekends where he turns up and he, he gets pole and he leads the race. That means that Bottas won't win, by the way. If Bottas gets pole and then leads the race after all the practice, he, he just won't win. But he will move out of the way of Hamilton. We've seen that now, completely, quite happily, with Brazil, for example. Just gets out of the way, no argument. I think Bottas is driving happy, driving free, and he's happy to do whatever the team needs him to do. But if Bottas then finishes in second place, he's able to hold off Max Verstappen. He has made Max Verstappen's job in the final Grand Prix incredibly difficult. And the same is on the flip side. Let's say, you know, Hamilton has a poor qualifying, or let's say there's a spin or a slow pit stop. And Hamilton comes up behind Perez once again. For example, we saw it in Turkey, right? Perez and Hamilton had an unreal fight, and Perez ended up being able to keep Hamilton behind him. He did a spectacular job. If that happens again in just one of the next two Grand Prix, that could quite literally grant Max Verstappen the title, and also go a long way to helping them, obviously, in the constructors, finishing above both drivers. Um, I think these second drivers could not be more important in these final two Grand Prix. Even if one of them makes a mistake and, let's say, hits one of the Red Bull cars, that could be so decisive um, going into the final race of the championship. So, yeah, do not count them out. You've got to hope that Valtteri Bottas is willing to play the team game and he's fully switched on from the Mercedes for his last two races. He doesn't really need to be unless he wants to make a bit of history. And I think Perez. I think Perez knows he needs to carry on proving himself. I think he's going to be more motivated than Bottas. Um, a lot of people have been bigging up Gasly recently. Should Gasly be in that seat next season? Have they made a mistake with contracts? So I think Perez needs to have a great two final races to really get himself going into the new season. Beating Bottas, challenging Hamilton, is a fantastic way to do that, and that will just help the staff. And so, yeah, they are going to be a crucial element in the last few races. Harry, do you think that the role that Perez and Bottas could play, do you think it's pivotal? I think it's, I think it's pivotal for the constructors, and I'm not saying they won't make an impact on uh, the Drivers' Championship, but I think the only way that they would is if it comes down to some fastest lap thievery. Um, which I, I I feel uneasy if the championship if we get to Abu Dhabi and somehow it's decided by Valtteri Bottas and Sergio Perez doing fastest laps on the last I mean, few laps of the race. That might make you feel uneasy. It's making me feel pretty uneasy that there is a good chance that the sprint races will decide the championship <laughs> this year, and I am not okay with this. Oh dear. Um, anyway. So I think in terms of the drivers' championship, that's where because and my point is on that. I think now Verstappen and Hamilton, as we saw in Qatar, I think uh, they are and in Brazil and pretty much the rest of the year, but especially towards these latter races, they are operating on just another level to everyone else. Like it's just they are Formula Two Point Zero, and everyone else is in Formula One um, because. Formula 2 exists already, um, you muppet. You've you know kind of gone the wrong way with that, haven't you? You know what I mean. Formula 0.5. Yeah, that's the one. You're a Formula 0.5, you moron. Anyway. Thank you. I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, I, de- I don't think they're going to be anywhere near them in, in any races, uh, in the remaining two races. But from a constructor's point of view, they, they will be pivotal. And we saw in, you know, in Qatar how a DNF or a, you know, a bad result for, for one of them brought Red Bull back into the game quite considerably. Now just one point is it behind? 
Um, so yeah, in terms of constructors, I think that's going to be they're going to be vital. Um, all I can think about now is those two doing fastest laps in Abu Dhabi. It'll be kind of fun though, nah, right? I like, in, a, in a horrible, horrible in a way, disgusting way. Like, Twitter's going to explode yeah. if that happens. I, I just it's like. It's like when you've had a, a, a bit of a bad night out, right? And you, on the way home, you walk past a 24-hour McDonald's. You're like, I could, I could go and sit in there and have a Big Mac on my own for a minute. Like, it's, it's dirty and it feels a bit horrible, but there's a little bit of joy in there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm very firmly between, like, on the one hand, that being utterly atrocious and also that being the world's greatest movie script it it would be both it would be both um now you've said it harry i can't get that out of my mind either um i i actually agree with you harry on this one in that i don't think for the drivers championship perez or bottas will be able to keep up with verstappen and hamilton we know that verstappen and hamilton are not just a step, probably about four steps ahead of Perez and Bottas. And that's not an insult to Perez and Bottas. That's actually a compliment to Verstappen and Hamilton and how good they are. Uh, And not only that, they've elevated their performance even further from where they were at the beginning of the year. You rightfully brought up Turkey and how Perez and uh, Hamilton battled there. But of the last six races, that's the only one where Hamilton and Verstappen haven't finished first and second in one order or the other. Um, that's that's how consistently great they've both been as of late. I just think going into this last part of the year, like what you said, Harry, I don't think Bottas and Perez will be able to keep up. Now, they don't necessarily need to keep up in order to be a part of the strategic calls, but you at least need to stay within a gap for that to be the case. And I just think at the moment, particularly, we've seen in the last few races, they haven't been able to keep up. And... If you go outside that five-second window, you get to 10 seconds. It's like, yeah, you would end up behind them. But actually, we're seeing that those sorts of situations where overtakes can happen, they do become available when there's such a tire difference that, that, that you're that far behind. So I, I don't think that they will have too much of an impact. Perez and, uh, Perez and Bottas are both perfectly competent drivers, don't get me wrong, but Hamilton and Verstappen, I think, will take their game to another level even further and outside of Harry's disastrous fastest lap conundrum which I'm glad he's mentioned actually now I'm thinking about it because it's not going to happen <laughs> but outside of that I think it will be a pure pace battle between the top two which I think is what it should be I don't know I have seen Mr Valtteri Bottas greatest driver of all time practicing on Wii Sports Bowling over the last week or so so I reckon he's warming himself up for another go on the on the uh, the lanes. Or maybe, maybe, and, and that sort of situation could happen. But I think that could happen to any driver, not necessarily related to just Bottas and Perez. Um, although Bottas might be the prime contender after Hungary, we did see what happened. I think we'd be a bit mean to Bottas about Hungary because he's not he's not renowned for first corner incidents, is he? Like that was very much an exception. I think you've, you've, you've misspelt, mispronounced the word you were trying to say there. It's not meme with an N, it's meme with an M. He's, uh, he's become a bit of a meme from Hungary. You know, it's, it's just uh, a yoke, as Alonso would say. <laughs> also, I think the person who was probably happiest about Bottas's bowling ball incident in Hungary was probably Lance Stroll. Because he did one that was pretty much just as bad, but nobody talks about it because <laughs> of what Bottas did. He's probably loving That's life. That's true. It's like he threw a cricket ball down the, the lane and of a bowling ball. That's how they play. That's how they actually do bowling in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bowls. Oh dear! There you go, Canada. Uh, you were you were the first nation in the, the late bowling. No batter on the end of it ever. It's just someone chucking the ball. <laughs> sorry, Canada. Really sorry. We're also sorry to each other after it misses. We're moving on. We're moving on <laughs> very quickly. We're going back to the Qatar Grand Prix at the weekend. We know that Max Verstappen recovered to P2 after having his five-place grid penalty in qualifying. He made up a lot of those positions on the first lap, but he still had a little bit of work to do after that point. He had to overtake Fernando Alonso, but before he did that, he needed to overtake Pierre Gasly. As we know, Pierre Gasly, former Red Bull driver and current driver for AlphaTauri, the junior team of Red Bull. And there were a lot of questions. 
how would that situation go down? Pierre Gasly ran wide into the last corner. Going up the start-finish straight, Max Verstappen managed to pull alongside and then get past as he went into turn one, leading to some people thinking that might have been a bit of an intentional move. Sam, do you think it was intentional? Pierre Gasly didn't make one mistake on track for the whole weekend. The only time he ever had a single problem was when his front wing came off due to the curb knocking it off. Which is the line that a lot of drivers took. Pierre Gasly not once went wide on that corner for the entire race weekend or any of the practice sessions. Conveniently, he only runs wide there as Max Verstappen is trying to charge through the field. And up four laps beforehand, I believe Helmut Marco had a little whisper into Gasly's ear and a radio message came over to him that said, Just remember, Pierre, Max is not our fight. What a conveniently coding massage to receive over the radio whilst racing a Formula 1 car. Um, I think he completely let him through. I think it was completely orchestrated. And you know what, Pierre? It was quite brilliant also. The acting was top-notch. Maybe a, a nomination coming your way. Because he did it really quite well. Um, do I think that they should be allowed to do that kind of such thing? God, No. I think that is appalling. I don't care who your junior drivers are. I don't care who you supply engines to. I don't care if Toro Rosso and Alpha Tauri or whatever other versions of the name Red Bull in other languages historically through time, which it is, folks, by the way, if you look up um, the other such thing. Alpha Tauri is actually a space element that means Red Bull, which is quite interesting. Um... But, nonetheless, right, I don't want that. You're, you're a team. Yes, you can put the Red Bull Junior drivers in that team and let them develop and have a place to race. That's fine. I don't mind that. You, you, you haven't got four cars on the track that all race for Red Bull at that point, in my opinion. It's the same with Mercedes. It's exactly the same with George Russell in the Williams or Ocon, who obviously used to be a member of their team, or Vettel and Stroll, of course, because Toto has part ownership with Aston Martin. They have a very strong link there as well. Um, I think that every single team should be completely independent of each other. I want to see them race. I want to see them get past each other. I love when someone like Gasly and Alonso find themselves a little bit out of the usual position or at the front. I want to see them fight for it at the front. I want to see them challenge at the front. I know cars are faster. I know Max will probably get past. But I want to see a fight put up. I don't want a little, oh, they're not our fight. No, 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 no. I don't want that. I think messages like that should not be allowed. I think the likes of Helmet shouldn't be allowed to go and speak to his other junior drivers who aren't directly related to a team with those kind of messages. I think that's a bit out of order. Uh, and that is all, all teams, all drivers, not just Red Bull. It's obviously more prominent in Red Bull, but the Ferrari with kind of maybe the Alpha or Haas, and the same with Mercedes with the likes of Aston Martin and Williams. I'm just, and, and of course McLaren. Not a fan of it. Don't like it. Don't think it should be allowed. But Pierre Gasly, just fantastic. You'll get probably a, a, a BAFTA nomination or, or something for, um, or a Golden Globe for Drive to Survive. Quite possibly. Um, so, uh, I mean, follow-up question to that, Sam. How do you stop it? How do you police it? Because I I personally agree with everything you said there. But how do you stop it? Because it is pretty difficult to determine when there is an intentional orchestrated move versus... Because what the, the radio message that came over was not strictly wrong. Max Verstappen was not their fight, and he probably would have got past anyway. So how do you police orchestrated move versus not putting up the biggest fight in the world I have a small brain and I am not known to be the smartest individual in the world so you know what don't really have a proper answer for you other than contractually you still can't even guarantee that there is going to be complete separation of you know what do they call it politics and state or whatever they call it I don't know what the phrase is um close enough yeah um you know, lo- loving... St- I don't know, I don't know, I've told you I had a small brain. Anyway, you know, nothing stops Pierre Gasly in the hotel at 11 o'clock at night while he's just getting himself tucked up ready for bed, a little... That's a knock on the door, if you can hear it. Um, you know, helmet... Pierre, by the way, Max isn't your fight, by the way. How do you police that? How do you know that's happened? You don't. You've got no idea. So it's really, really difficult for FIA, for the stewards, for the officials to make sure that's being policed and make sure it's official. But um, it needs to be made more aware of. And when you look at the analysis, and I think you do need to look at the analysis of, you know, the brake pedal, uh, his steering input, acceleration, and compare that to all the other times that Pierre Gasly's gone through that corner, and you go, 
He didn't actually make any proper mistake. He just didn't turn in for that corner properly, where every single other time he has. That, I think, should be enough of a, we think you've given that up. Um, so for me, I don't know, there needs to be some kind of actual data input into it, analysis, understanding. But yeah, they've got to find some way of doing it because I want completely individual 10 teams that can fight for themselves independently. And then at the end of the seasons, when contracts want to come around, have those discussions, do whatever you want to do. But for me, there needs to be some separation. Church and state. It's church and state. I've remembered. Nicely done. <laughs> well done. Oh, good. <laughs> Harry, do you think it was orchestrated <laughs> like Sam thinks? Uh, and if so, have you got similar views on whether it should be allowed, not allowed? Um, I, look, I, I, I agree with what Sam said in terms of Pierre Gasly was uh, <laughs> acting phenomenally well I mean Felipe Massa must be looking at him going ah oh, should have done that instead shouldn't have just slowed down <laughs> that's how you do it <laughs> um, so yeah I, I so yeah I agree it probably he probably did let him pass and didn't want to be seen to be just giving out the place so did a little run wide and uh, there are many you know not, not all circuits would that work uh, Imola probably wouldn't work very well or, or Monaco for instance um so, you know, they were lucky in that respect. In terms of, I don't agree with it, but my, but my, and I want to see every, you know, driver and team fighting for themselves and not, you know, being ordered around by, by their, by their big brothers, so to speak. But I think, I don't know, I don't see it as a, when Sam was going on a, a, talking about, you know, they got to look at data and stuff, I, I was thinking, it's not enough of an issue for me personally to have to then go into like looking at Pierre Gasly's braking for that corner versus the rest of the race. I think because it's happened, it's like team orders. It's like impossible to police. I mean, when I say team orders, I mean like within each other's teams. It's such a hard thing to police as to whether you know it's a coded message or you know they when we couldn't have team orders, i.e. Ferrari twenty ten at Hockenheim and there was uproar but like it's so hard to stop it and it's been happening in F1 for, for years so I think um, from my point of view I, d I don't see enough of, of an issue with it I guess if it starts deciding championships like fastest laps might do then then maybe I have more of an issue stop <laughs> I'm saying it I'm just projecting <laughs> because if I keep saying it it's not going to happen um, but yeah I, I, I think I don't have enough of an issue with it to 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 for it to to be banned because I don't think you can do it. I think it's as I said. I think it's like team orders within teams. It's just too difficult to police because, as you said, Sam, what's to stop? You know, ninety seven Haref when you know my favorite. Surprised you brought that one up. Yeah, I know. But when my favorite driver was about to win his championship. They went down the down the pit lane to, or they had a previous agreement with McLaren to let Mika Hakkinen win. Like your your favourite driver did win the championship. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, big Shaq. Big Shaq. Big Shaq. Yes. Good to see him back. Just stood on the That's podium. That's why he was on the podium. Yeah. World champ, ninety-seven. Anyway, my point is, it, it's been it's been happening for years, and I think it's just too difficult to. To police, so I, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't happen that often. I get why it's happened. I don't like it that much, but it's it doesn't. If it was a Mercedes and a Williams, you know, it's George Russell getting out of the way of Hamilton. Again, I get it. I don't really like it, but I get it. Maybe I don't care. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> yeah, I'd argue that's the case. Yeah. Um, just to just to clarify for anyone new to the sport, um, just to clarify on this. Shaquille O'Neal did not win the 1997 <laughs> Formula One World Championship. Just to, you know, very much get that one out there. Um, but back Big to the Shaquille issue at hand. Nev. <laughs> back to the issue at hand, which is not Shaquille O'Neal winning the 97 Championship, and that is Gasly and whether this was intentional. So, so Pierre Gasly... <laughs> I was going to his drink, sorry. So... <laughs> Unfortunately, you didn't have to see that, ladies and gents. Oh, Pierre Gasly, that's what we were talking about. Pierre Gasly. 
Um, I actually Just think, that. and this is going to sound really weird, I don't think him going off track is relevant at all. And I don't think the radio message he received is relevant either. Sounds really weird, but I'll tell you why. Because a third thing supersedes both of them. He didn't put his DRS on down the straight. And I'm sorry, if that's the most obvious one of the lot. Why would you not put DRS on when it was active for him? He had the DRS. He chose not to put it on. Well, actually, that, that's a slight lie. He didn't put it on until Max Verstappen was literally just going past him. He then put it on for like two seconds. And that, then it was the end of the straight. That is the most obvious sign that this was orchestrated. I, pro- I, th- I agree with you. I think he ran wide intentionally. But actually, I wouldn't be that surprised if it was a genuine mistake because actually the DRS just confirms that that was orchestrated. That was done and dusted. Um, So uh, orchestrated, yes or no? Yes, definitely. Should it be allowed? No, it definitely shouldn't be. Formula One is a championship that consists of 10 teams, 10 independent constructors. So I know, I and for the record, this isn't just a dig at AlphaTauri and Red Bull because it does happen with Mercedes power unit customer teams. It happens with Ferrari ones. But these these constructors need to be independent. That's that's what the sport is. And the, the million dollar question, as I asked Sam, is what do you do about it? If you know that it's something you don't want, but what what can you do about it? It is really difficult how you police this. You've already given a couple of instances where, yeah, you can't police it 24 You can't have wires on someone 24-7 to make sure that they're not sneaking out of hotel rooms. Hey, Pierre, do this tomorrow. You can't, you can't police against that. So what do you do instead? I actually think, and you brought up team orders, Harry. I was going to bring it up if you didn't. Deterrence, they don't work because teams are clever enough that they'll find ways to get around the rules. They'll find a way. So what do you do? Rather than deter them, how do you approach it? I think the alternate approach is take away situations where it makes sense to do it. And that's there's no easy way to do that. But actually, there are already a couple of things that are going on in Formula One that are leading us to that sort of a solution. Firstly, would Gasly have been willing to give up that position if he was in a championship fight? with Max Verstappen or if he knew his car was capable of battling Max Verstappen would he have done the same thing maybe not that's what the budget cap is there for right the budget cap is bringing the field together making it more even from top to bottom should mean that there are fewer situations where you've got a car behind you and you know it's not gonna happen against them is it they're too quick for us it's easier for us to just let them go first time around and not waste time battling them if you take away those sorts of situations, suddenly that gets better and you get less of what we saw at the weekend. The second side of things, and I don't think this is, I don't think the perfect solution is doable, but I'm sure a better solution is possible. 10 teams with 10 engine manufacturers and you don't get anywhere near as many situations as we get right now. Now, I don't think 10 teams, 10 manufacturers is doable, but is 10 teams seven manufacturers doable in a few years time maybe it is even if you reduced it because at the moment it's four if you increase that number up and suddenly you're taking away somewhat these junior teams then suddenly the collusion just isn't there to begin with so actually rather than dealing with how they are dealing with the situations take away the situations making sense in the first place and I think that's a better way to not necessarily police it but just nip it in the bud but appreciate it's a really difficult question because if there was a really easy solution it would already exist straight facts from the mouth of Ben Hock in there spitting them them facts spitting them out that's what I'll do (laughs) glad Glad I can only see you through a camera because I wouldn't want to be on the end of that spit fest. Honestly, my my laptop right now drenched. <laughs> oh. What's it drenched oh. in? Facts. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Pure facts. Well, folks, it's coming up to that lovely Christmas period, and our good friends, Beer Fifty Two. They've got back in touch. Clearly, everyone that listened did such a good job. They went, 
we want those guys again, so again, thank you. But folks, I'd love you to answer the question. What is better than eight free beers? Nine free beers. I don't know, mate. What is better than eight free beers? Well, Ben was close with nine. It's a good Ooh. it's a good shout. But actually, you know what? It's ten! That's right, ten! The festive season is upon us. And in the spirit of giving and charity, Beer 52 are offering listeners, that's right, you lot, filling your ear holes with this stuff every week that we talk about. Ten free beers! Oh, beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Beautifully done. Um, And all you have to do is go to www.beer52.com slash late. If you cover the £5.95 for postage, you can claim your free case. Uh, And if you do it before the 17th of December, so plenty of time, you can claim two free extra beers, as Sam so beautifully said. Um, Beer 52, just to say a bit about them, they're a beer club like no other. So much like the Formula One circus, they're all around the globe trying to find the best beer available anywhere on earth. Um, And each month, their members receive a brand new case, usually from a different part of the world. So 40 different countries across five continents available um, available for you. So if you grab this food in time for Christmas, you can impress friends, family, dinner guests uh, with a cast of hoppy IPAs, crisp craft lagers and sumptuous stouts. Whoa, that sounds good, doesn't Lovely. it? And if dark beer is not your thing, simply choose the light option instead. Look, it doesn't even end there, folks, because as well as some delicious beer, you'll receive ferment, or maybe it's ferment, because we, we, we had a conversation about this beforehand and we're undecided, but the f- Ferment magazine, which delves into the beers, breweries and theme. You also get two delicious snacks to wash down with the beer. What is not to love? Snacks and beer. It's pretty much perfect. Literally nothing not to love. Um, after redeeming your first case, you'll join the monthly beer club, which is £24 per month, no minimum commitment, and you can pause or cancel at literally any time. You know what they say, folks. Snacks of beer bring the Christmas cheer with Beer 52. Oh, hey, Sam, that is beautiful. Oh. That wasn't even sent over. I've just made that up. Smashed you can it. thank me later, Beer 52. <laughs> oh. Bye. Let's move on to let's move on to Carlos Sainz. Not Statman. Let's move on to Carlos Sainz. Uh, he has had, I think it's fair to say, a good first season at Ferrari. He's been there with Carlos, uh, been there with Charles Leclerc in terms of the points. It's been pretty close between the two of them. Question for you, Harry: Is Carlos Sainz a top five driver in Formula One? Oof. Bloody hell! I don't know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's not thought about it beforehand, folks. Uh, That's just vintage, vintage. <laughs> No, I, it's it's a it's a it's a real tricky one because I think you know, Sainz has surprised a lot of people this year, and whether that's right or wrong, um, I think it's indicative of his sort of sort of maybe slightly up and down career, not necessarily of his own doing, but it's been slightly up and down because he's moved moved teams quite a few times, um, and you know, Charles Leclerc is rated right up there with Max Verstappen and. You know, as we as we all know, or you might know, folks, Max Verstappen is fighting for a world championship. But at the moment, Carlos Sainz is beating Charles Leclerc. So on that basis, is he as good as Max Verstappen? It's a really tricky one. I think the thing for me for Sainz is he sometimes just lacks a t- like the tiniest bit of consistency, and that, and I think maybe it's something he's he's tuning out. Um, but we've seen it a couple of times this year. I think Baku is one that springs to mind. He was in a pretty good position. He, he locked up and went down the escape road, um, you know, and I think it, I don't want to downplay his performance against Leclerc, but Leclerc maybe at some points this year could have could have and should have scored some more points, whether that's down to him it being his fault or not. But, you know, I think there's an argument for saying that Leclerc is a, should be ahead. So, um, yeah, I, it's such a tricky one. I would say no, he's not a top five at the moment, but he's... He's knocking on the door. He's out there, like helmet, knocking on the door of a uh, of the top five. Um, I don't. I feel bad because I feel like everyone's knocking Carlos Sainz. Well, not not everyone's knocking him, but no one's giving him enough cred. And and I, he deserves a lot of cred for what he's doing this year. But I I I just feel like I need a little need to see a bit more. Which seems seems ridiculous because he's been around for ages. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe if he beats Leclerc again next year and this year, maybe, maybe I'll say top five. But at the moment, he's he's knocking on the door, just outside. Can, can you guess what my follow-up question is going to be to you, Harry? Yes, I don't have a number. Sod off. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask who is in your. I, I wasn't actually going to say. Oh, that. Right, I was going to okay. ask who is in your top five. Currently, Nikita Mazepin. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Giovinazzi. No. Um, Smash it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Uh, Still at Alpha, right? Top five. Who is Hamilton? Max Verstappen. Ooh, controversial. Two very controversial yeah. ones. Yeah. I'll put God Leclerc in there. I'm gonna put. Um... Oh. I'm gonna put. Is he gonna prove himself wrong? Fernando Alonso. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna prove myself wrong. And then I'm gonna put. Um, Lando Norris. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Sam, is Signs a top five driver? Signs is a top six driver, and he's a top six driver he's by blurred. about three <laughs> <laughs> percent. I think not the question. He's actually second, but I guess like the number six. Um, no, he's he's in sixth place by a couple of percent in my in my mind uh, currently. Um, and a lot of that is due to how he seems to pick himself up in the latter stages of his time at teams. And I actually wonder if he's going to carry on with this progression next year with Ferrari. You know, he's already taken it to Leclerc at his first season at Ferrari. He did incredibly well um, at McLaren. Um, and he's, he was starting to get there at Rango, and then obviously he, he jumped. Um, and he wasn't too far off, obviously, certain teammates in the Toro Rosso either. So, who do I think is in front of Carlos Sainz? Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Lando Norris, George Russell, and then in fifth place, Charles Leclerc, by about 2-3%. And that's only because I think that where they've acclimatised and how much affinity Charles Leclerc has with that Ferrari team and yes I agree with what Harry said I do think Leclerc probably should have picked up a few points here and there that due to DNFs haven't gone his way um, will be slightly further ahead in the drivers battle not by a lot though and I think science has been absolutely spectacular this season I think will really challenge uh, for the top spot of Ferrari next season he's just sixth I think just behind Sainz is Gasling Alonso at the moment. Um, but yeah, for me, he's definitely knocking on the door. I think something else you also need to remember, um, and if we're comparing him to the youngsters of the sport, Lando Norris, George Russell, Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, Sainz is 27, right? He's a few years on from the, the rest of those youngsters that we talk about. And 27, by the way, folks, is not old. I'm 27 in March, okay? It's a perfectly acceptable time to be 27. You achieve great things. But, but, when Lando Norris is walking around almost as a child, and so is Verstappen, and so is Leclerc and Russell, you know, he hasn't achieved anything more realistically than what they have achieved and I do feel like he needs to he needs to step on. He needs to really grab a hold of something and have a, a statement season. Otherwise, I do feel like he might drop to kind of seventh or eighth overall in the uh, in the grid. But yeah, for me, he's knocking on the door of that top five. If he nails it next season, I do think he could be a top five driver. Very close. Did you? Sorry, I, I think I missed it. Did you say Lando Norris was third in your list? Um... I mean, yeah, him and Russell are interchangeable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, this is a really tough question, which is why I set it as a question, because I knew it was going to be pretty borderline. Um, you know, for me, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are the top two drivers in Formula One. Put them in whichever order you like. I don't mind. If you have someone else in your top two, don't start a conversation with me. Third place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Start a conversation with me if you want. Probably won't go very well for you. Um, third place is God Leclerc for me. Um, even though Leclerc and Sainz has been pretty close this year, I do think that Leclerc has been the better driver. Sainz has done far better against him than I thought he would do, but even so, I think even, I don't think the points quite tell the full story on that occasion. And then I think from about fourth down to tenth, you could put him in any order. It's really difficult when you get down into that sort of fourth to tenth range because. Comparing them is really difficult with the different machine. Of course, it is. It's difficult with the different machinery. Like you have to. There are questions about all of them. George Russell, yes, there is a legitimate case to have him in there. There is also a very legitimate question, which is, 
can we say he's proven himself when he's been against Robert Kubica and Nicolas Latifi? You could say the same thing for Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly has done a great job over the last couple of years, but how much can you read into him beating a demotivated Danny Kvyat and a rookie Yuki Tsunoda? Then you've got the almost the other end of the spectrum, which is Sergio Perez and Valtteri Bottas, and you can look at them and say, how, how good would they look if they weren't in the shadows of their teammates? Who knows? It's a really legitimate question again. You've then got a few other names as well. So Fernando Alonso, where does he stack up? I think given how well he's done this year, he's in the conversation. Lando Norris, beaten by Carlos Sainz, but seems to have made strides this year. You can't tell what would have happened if there was a third year between the two of them. And then there's Daniel Ricciardo as well. How much are you willing to downgrade Ricciardo as a result of this year? Are we willing to just say all of a sudden, no, he's, he's no good anymore? Or are we going to put this season as an anomaly? For me, I've actually, I've wrestled with this one all day. And I think I've disagreed with myself about three or four times as to whether he just sneaks in there in fifth. I actually put, and this might, I might look stupid in a year's time. I have Daniel Ricciardo as the fourth best driver in F1. You're mad. It, it has been an awful year for him. An awful year. But I'm not willing to give up on someone who has done such a great job in his career. He did so good at Renault. He was, I know it, Verstappen wasn't the driver then that he is now, but Ricardo was right there with Verstappen for years. And I think in 2022, Daniel Ricardo's McLaren is suited more to him. I think we will see again what a driver he is. Again, in a year's time, you can come back to this episode and you can laugh at me if I'm wrong, but I'm not willing to give up on him yet. And then I think the battle for fifth then is actually between Sainz, Norris and Perez. People might say, Perez, really? He's been dominated by Verstappen. So has everyone else, apart from Daniel Ricciardo. And also, Perez last year... We can't just take this year into the equation. Perez last year was many people's vote for driver of the season. Let's not forget that. Um, I have have him just about in fifth place, Carlos Sainz. Just ahead of Perez and Norris. So, um, I feel like I'm, a lot of the time, possibly the harshest on him. But I'm actually the only one that's just about got him in the top five. But... Honestly, rank from 4th down to 10th, rank them in any order, I won't disagree with you. That'd be interesting. Maybe we should do that one day. We should do our 1st or 20th of where we think each driver sits on the grid. Yeah. Jacques Villeneuve first, right, Harry? In everyone's list. <sighs> Not even listening to you, idiots. <laughs> well, you're probably going to want to start listening again because you have an important battle on your hands and oh, that yes. battle is against one Mr. Samuel Sage because for our final Hola. segment our <laughs> final segment tonight we are playing a brand new game which is of course Alonso or Alonso we are genuinely sticking with that title Sam, would you mind doing a jingle of sorts please we are massively underprepared for this here we go, folks. <clears throat> Alonso, see. Alonso, no. Alonso, see. Alonso, no. Alonso, see. Alonso, no. Fernando. I didn't know if it was going to stop. <laughs> we did rumour before we came on live that um, I might just keep doing it until the podcast ends. Yeah, just do it as a, like a BV, like a backing vocal while Ben's talking. Explain it again. Alonso. See, I, so. I, I know this segment is yeah that works actually keep going um, I know this segment is currently shrouded in mystery you'll, you'll be happy to know that it's actually very it's basically true or false rebranded it, but it's I all get them wrong them. every time yeah but it's rebranded so maybe that can take away the maybe that's the key it's a different title to the segment essentially I'm not I've a got, goldfish <laughs> I've got eight different. I've got eight statements in front of me, all about Fernando Alonso. Some of them are true, Alonso. Some of them are false, Alonso. We'll take it in turns. Whoever gets the most points wins. <laughs> Sam, since you love true or falses so much, and you get every fifty-fifty wrong, you can go yeah. first. What number would you like, one to eight? Oh, wow. I was hoping there'd be a 14 in there because, folks, that's his racing number. True or false? 
Um, um, folks who have issues with noise and that complain yeah, the podcast is too that. loud. I'm so sorry, sorry about the claps. Um, I'm going to go with number one. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry, that just reminds me of that. Australian GP question to Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, our favourite. Yeah, Juan do when Juan. Yeah, I, honestly, after you've listened to this, go go check that out. But um, okay, number one, the furthest back Alonso has come from to get a podium was Singapore 2008 when he started 15th. Is that true or false, Alonso or Alonso? Um, along no. False. You, you think that's false? Any reason why you think that's I, false? I think you've been cheeky and you've changed one small element of this detail. That is all I think it is. Harry, have you got any thoughts before I reveal? Do I have to? Do I have to answer as well? You don't have to answer. I'm just curious if you. Um, I yeah, I'd go with the no. Well done, Sam. It is false. A long no on this one. Um, the furthest back he's come to win a race is 15th at Singapore. However, he came from 16th at the 2005 Japanese Grand Prix, which, if you are... Oh. Uh, this is seamless. Wow. If you are wow. a member of the Patreon, we are doing a race watch-along this weekend because it's a non-race weekend, and we are doing the 2005 Japanese Grand Prix. So... I can't believe you've done that. Yeah, I know. Effortless. I mean, yeah, how, right. how professional are we that, that two, two-thirds of this podcast are surprised when we did it <laughs> as seamlessly? Making it so unseamless. Oh, uh, never mind. Oh, us in the background gasping. <laughs> you might want to retire now, Sam, because you are one for one. Well done. You got that one. Harry, a number between two and eight, please. Three, please. Number three. Now, Sam alluded to uh, Alonso's race number, number 14. Uh, This is kind of related to that. But this is related to the number 66. So, Alonso raced the number 66 at the 2019 Indy 500. And he did this because he believes, as stated, he deserves six Formula One World Championships. True or false? (laughs) Oh, see, that's tricky because that's the kind of thing Alonso might say. Because we all love a bit of fonts. I'll go for a long no, though. What would you go for, Sam? Just because it's some, um, I can't swear on the podcast, it's some poo housery. <laughs> I'm going to say a long so. Well, it's a good thing it wasn't your question, Sam, because that is a lie. Um, the I reason he raced the number 66, uh, it was um, as a tribute to Mark Donoghue, who won the 1972 Indy 500 using a McLaren that was number 66. So, not the reason that I gave there. So, one all. Good start. Sam, what number would you like? I'll go down the other end, please, Jeff. Number eight, please. Number eight. Fernando Alonso has never won the first race of the Formula One season. True or false? Alonso. True. Harry? Um, I think that is also Alonso. I think it's true. Uh, you're both wrong. It's oh. false. Um, oh, he... Alonso, you suck! It's a bit of a tricky one because... It... <laughs> None of them, neither of them are actually Melbourne. Oh, Bahrain, um, Bahrain 06. And Bahrain 2010 as well. So, Oh, you cheeky badger. Two of them. Stays oh, at one all. We're going to fall out big time, me and Alonso. What number would you like, Harry? Wait, what did Sam just pick? He just picked eight. Seven, please. Seven. Seven. Alonso has had three Brazilian teammates. Exactly three. True or false? You can work this out. Well, one of them is Felipe, baby. Felipe, baby! Uh, He'd be cool. Who was was his teammate at? Minardi. Oh, yikes. I I am gonna go for 
Alonso. He's had two. Sam, would you have said this was true or false? I have said Alonso. This is false. This one is true. Um, oh. <gasps> I Nelson, thought it was two as well. Oh, Nelson, Nelson PK, of course. Oh, that's three. the one I thought it he was. was. A, he was a three-time champion of the world, Harry. Completely forgot about him. Um, it was actually Junior, Nelson Pico Junior. Um, Felipe Massa. Uh, every as, time. As you correctly identified, uh, Felipe Massa and uh, at Minardi, Tasso Marquez, uh, also Brazilian. That's who Felipe. I forgot. How can you forget? I mean, that elite class that came through in 2001, you know, Fernando Alonso, Mark Webber, Juan Pablo Montoya, and Tasso Marquez. Everyone remembers all four of them. Of course. Mate, it was Kimi Reichler, yeah. not Mark Webber. Oh, sorry, wrong Nerd. one. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Mark. Chunky dominating everyone. <laughs> gave, gave Mark Webber an extra year in F1. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> Have that one, mate. Have that one for free. Yeah. All right, stays one all then. Four numbers left. Two, four, five, six. What would you like, Sam? I'll have number two, please, Governor. Number two, coming right up. No teammate has ever outscored Fernando Alonso. Well, <coughs> oh, across the it's season. a long no. It's false. It is false. Well done. Uh, Yay! Good. I had a real moment there. Only happened once, though. Only happened once. Um, Jensen Button, 2015. Finished level on points with the immortal Tasso Marquez when it was nil-nil. And he finished level with Hamilton. But the only time he's been outscored, JB in 2015. So, well done, Sam. That was a long no. Way! 4-5 or 6. You trail 2-1, Harry. 4-5 or 6. 5, please. Number 5. Straight down the middle. Fernando Alonso was the only Ferrari driver to get a podium in 2012. Uh, Alon, no. Said with confidence. Any reason why? Um, I think Massa did at Japan. You're right, he did. And also at his home race in Brazil to close out the season as well. Um, So two podiums for him that year. Uh, So Alon, no, is correct on that one. Alon correct. <laughs> Alon, sorry, Alon correct. Yes. <laughs> to give it the right title. Um, well, it's two all. It's getting close. Number four or number six, Sam? Which would you like? You've got a 50 50 choice to do a 50 50 choice. <laughs> this is surely going to go well. Oh, I'm going to get something wrong along the way. I'll have number six, please. All right, number six. Fernando Alonso is the only Spanish driver to win a Formula One race. Alonso or Alonso? The silence, folks, is me having to cast my mind back. I'm going to say Alonso. Through sheer probability. (laughs) (laughs) Well... It was a 50-50 choice on a 50-50 choice for picking the question. So, of course, Sam has got that one wrong. Um, (laughs) He is the only Spanish driver to win a race. Oh, Spain, you suck. Come on. There you go. I've insulted your nation again. Well, yeah, that will probably prompt Carlos Sainz to win this uh, this coming weekend. In, exactly. We're not very Arabia. big in Spain, anyway. We're not very big in Spain. We're bigger than in Uruguay, though, so who speaks Spanish? Don't know so, if we mentioned it. Hola. Hello, Uruguay. We love you. Yes, uh, and, and a fun fact about Uruguay, that they do speak Spanish. Uh, particularly fun fact for Harry, who believed it might be Uruguay. <laughs> there we go. Uh, pre, uh, pre-podcast chat for you there. Um which does mean that, Harry, if you get this one right, you beat Sam 3-2. If not, it ends in a draw. And you, by by virtue of elimination, you get number four. Can I have number four, please? Get it wrong. You can have number get it four. Get wrong. <laughs> Fernando Alonso has never won at Spa. Uh, get it wrong. Alon... Alon... Alonso? I don't think he has. You are correct. He has never won at Spa. (laughs) He likes crashing at Spa. Digging, digging wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So that does mean that the final score, Harry 3, Sam 2. 
in a true or false quiz, Sam, we found out that it doesn't matter what we polish it up as, you'll still lose. I'm still a turd. Just a shiny one. Do you want to sing us out? Do you remember sure, it? No. Sure, no. Sure. Headphone users, turn it down now as you're walking. Sorry. Here we go. Alonso, see. Alonso, no. Alonso, see. Alonso, no. Alonso, see. Alonso, no. Fernando. I, I enjoy, and people listening won't know this, Sam, when he does his claps, he turns in his chair. He claps on the left, and then he claps on the right. Some good news, folks. That segment's probably never coming back, so you'll never have to hear that again. <laughs> that goes down as the greatest hit. That'd be on the B side of the of the LB records, I imagine. Oh, blimey! I, th- I think that that's an hour well spent, isn't it? We'll leave it there, Sam. If you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Oh God, that was a bizarre podcast. Um, if you have enjoyed what we've spoken about, including the Alonso C, Alonso No segment, um, it wasn't even called that. Um, then get to the get to the Discord, join in. Two hundred and fifty massive F one fans, and the three of us are in there. Um, if you want to talk F one, they're all there. If you want to talk to us, you want to ask us anything, F one related or not, you're welcome to. Um, we've also got big Patreon events coming up, which of course you hear about first in that Discord. So if you want to become a Patreon member, the link is in the description. Uh, there's loads of tiers to join. When I say loads, there's three or two. I can't remember. And they're very... There's two. Thanks, Ben. And there's, they're very minimal. Um, but you get, you know, some extras and we always try and sort some stuff out as well. Next thing coming up again this Sunday. Right. Um, correct. Correct. What time is that GMT, please, Ben? 7 p.m. GMT. You'll have to work that out wherever you are, folks, because I don't know. But GMT seven o'clock on Sunday. Um, yeah, so join that. In the meantime, I this, I've lost a fifty-fifty again. I'm very sad. I've been Samuel so See you later. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Keep breaking late. Alonso, see. <laughs>